first episode. First episode of the Dogmatic Dudes podcast. I feel like special things are going to happen, man. Episode one, it can only go up from here, right? You know, ex- you're starting. Ex- ex- yeah. No, exactly, dude. So, I mean, it's really up to us to promote this thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's why we, 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 we'll just see how this conversation goes. I don't know how we even want to start this. Um, well, how, how about this? Did you watch? Let's get let's let's get with the with with the little stuff out of the way first. Um, obviously, Peyton Manning Tom, and uh, Tiger Woods versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. It was oh. uh, it was entertaining. Um, it was more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Um, just from the perspective of obviously we've seen Tiger and Phil play each other before, but you add in two guys who. They know how to play golf. They're obviously not professional golfers, um, but they spent so much time uh, playing against each other in their, you know, their professional careers in football. So I think, you know, right from the get go, you already had that that competitive fire between, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tom and Peyton, and then obviously the rivalry between Phil and Tiger. Um, but to be honest, I I'm surprised that they really got, you know, actually through because it seemed like the weather was really going to be a hindrance for them. Um, because I, you know, it was getting pushed back a couple times. Tea times were getting pushed back because um, it just looked like it was dumping rain on them over there. Oh yeah, no, uh, Peyton's Peyton's uh, polo looked soaked when he was getting interviewed. <laughs> did you uh, did you see? By the way, they uh, people were giving him shit because he wasn't wearing red and black like Tiger. And he was <laughs> like, he was like, "There's no way I can be caught in Georgia colors." He's like, "Absolutely not." He's like, "I'm not. I'm not gonna." I'm not going to put myself out there for Kirby Smart to say something. He's like, uh, <laughs> I, I just can't do that. He's like, the pink works for me. Uh, so I thought, I thought that was interesting that he drew that parallel. But um, yeah. do you see, do you see Tom Brady split his pants? Yeah. <laughs> hey man, they're too tight. They're way too tight. He should, he should have gotten something a little bit loose. Dude, it's crazy too because that was like his. You know, he he wasn't playing very great all day. Um, oh no, dude. He especially was... the first half. You know, uh, the first nine, but. I mean, that was like that was a great hole. That was a great shot, and he goes down to get that ball and splits his pants. And I, man, I I knew the second I saw that I was like, this is gonna be all over the internet mm-hmm. immediately. And sure enough, it was. You know, the picture was making its rounds, and it all in all, it was really entertaining. Um, I'm not surprised that Peyton and Tiger won that though. Um, that that seemed seemed about right, and I I kind of assumed that were gonna be the case, but. It was still, it was entertaining. You know, we haven't had sports, so it, it was definitely something to watch. And hopefully, they they do something like that again. Um, maybe I did see that they were talking about trying to bring in some like young golfers to face like Phil and Tiger, which I think would be interesting, like the old guys versus the young guns. You know? Yeah, no, that would be really cool. But it, again, it was entertaining overall, and uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that Tiger and Peyton uh, walked away with that one, but. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a good test run, and like I said, hopefully they can continue to do some stuff like this in the future. How how pissed do you think Phil Mickelson was throughout that whole thing? He's just like motherfucker, you're gonna make me lose to Tiger again. Oh, absolutely. You know that was in the back <laughs> of his mind the whole time. He's like, this motherfucker is not pulling his weight, and now I'm gonna have to listen to Tiger talk about this all year, especially with how much like smack Phil was talking leading up to this. You oh, know, he, yeah. he got- so the fact that he had the the trophy from the last time they did this, blah blah blah, uh, 
so yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's gotta hurt. Um, especially when, you know, Phil didn't necessarily play bad at all. Uh, he just had a know. shitty teammate. <laughs> yeah. And not that Tom played terribly, but Tom definitely wasn't as good as Peyton was, you know, and when you have Tiger Woods and Peyton, it's just, that's a hard combo to beat. You know, but to give, but to give Tom Brady a little bit of slack, dude, he's out flinging footballs and Peyton Manning's working on his golf game. So that's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll, I'll give TB 12 a little bit of, a little bit of slack there. Dude, my favorite thing though, man, was uh, him was Peyton Manning. Just his shit talking is Hall of Fame good, man. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And the the funny thing was, they also had uh, Charles Barkley, uh, you know, on the mic doing some stuff, and he was heckling Tom Brady, which was really really funny to listen to. Yeah, because uh, I I can't remember what the bet was, but he was like Tom. I think it was 50k. I and he was like, I, I will. I'll bet you 50k right now that you won't get a ball on the green. And uh, you know, of course, Tom didn't get it on the green. But it's just like it is so funny because Barkley was just constantly like, you know, heckling him. Like, I, I bet you can't do this. I bet you can't do that. Yeah, no, dude. It's it, it, it's Peyton Manning, dude, is a Hall of Fame shit talker. Like, I feel like that, that's one thing about him that that gets a little underplayed is how good of a shit talker he is well i feel like you know if you're in that spot and you're a competitor uh you know on the highest level and you're you're as skilled as somebody like peyton manning or tom brady like i feel like you got to have a little motor to your mouth you know you got to be able to get in people's heads um we're gonna talk about the last dance and michael jordan here but that's just like a perfect you know segue um yeah he was the king of shit talking and he could take over a game just by saying some stuff to you and getting in your head, you know, it, oh, it didn't yeah. take much. Um, and when you have that power and you can talk your smack to people and know that, you know, for you, it's just, you're saying it because you know, you can get in their minds and get in their heads and distract them. And it, it's, it's crazy to me that there's so many players out there that just let it happen. They, you know, you know what the goal is when they're saying that stuff, you know, that stuff's probably not true necessarily. But yeah, they're firing at you, and you have two two options. You can either ignore it uh, and let it fuel your game, or you can take it in and kind of let you know let it take you apart. And that 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 seems to be more more often than not the case. Uh, that's that's why you know other than Michael Jordan was obviously uh, arguably the goat. Um, his his shit talking ability was uh, next level. Oh yeah, no, dude. I, I thought it was so funny. Uh the episode where the Pacers were, were, were coming into play and everybody oh, yes. knows, everybody knows that Reggie Miller is one of the greatest shit talkers that basketball has ever, ever seen. Uh-huh. And, no doubt. and bro, the fact that Michael Jordan, I, I don't remember the exact shot, but like at the end of the game, he goes up to Reggie Miller and he's just like, I don't know this this the quote word for word, but it's something like, "Next time, don't challenge Black Jesus." I'm like, of course, Michael Jordan would say something like that. Oh my goodness gracious, this is awesome! Like, that's one thing that I I I knew that Michael Jordan liked to talk shit, but I did not realize how great of a shit talker he really was. And Absolutely. That's one thing that yeah, that's one thing that really opened my eyes about this documentary is how much shit he loved to talk to other players, how cerebral he was. And, dude, 
it was crazy all the shots that he would hit man it like i swear like i felt like every shot that michael jordan took in that documentary was in every single one even the misses they looked like they were going to be going in well see that's the crazy thing so you know we both didn't really get to we didn't grow up with jordan going on the run right like i was born in 96 so mm-hmm. the bull had already won a couple at that point um And by the time I started watching basketball, it was, you know, Michael Jordan was long gone. So the biggest thing for me with this last Ant series, I knew how good he was. I knew how good those teams were. But to actually put it into perspective and hear the accounts from some of the greats like Magic and Larry and Reggie Miller and, you know, like the bad boy Pistons, like just to see everybody's kind of, you know, how they felt back then and how they feel now about it and just kind of see everybody's perspective of this whole great run that, you know, Michael Jordan and the Bulls had it. It, it was awesome. Uh, it it yeah. got me hyped every time, especially, you know, at the beginning when they were playing the, you know, the crazy pumped up music and Michael Jordan's just draining shots over, you know, three defenders, split defenders and going to the basket. It's just like, my God. There, there yeah. was nothing that guy couldn't do. There was nothing he couldn't do. He was a great defender. He, you know, he, he had a great jump shot. He was great at taking it to the basket. I mean, it, there was nothing that he couldn't do. He was right. He knew that he was the best player on the court any given night. He knew that. And in all fairness, like, yeah, it, it, it worked out for him. He he knew how to get in people's heads with his game and with his mouth, and more often than not, it benefited him. Otherwise, I don't think – I mean, granted, those Bulls teams were really, phenomenal. really good. I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, they constructed like, those teams well. I mean, you know, they Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, you even have people that nobody thinks of, like John Paxson and Steve Kerr, yeah. who had moments. John Paxson, Steve Kerr, Horace Grant, uh, Tony Kukoc, dude. <laughs> yeah, Tony Kukoc. Holy cow, dude. Tony Kukoc is super widely underrated. I, I feel like he's a very, very disrespected player. The only reason I know of Tony Kukoc is because of Surge. And that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that – I mean, he had – he was he was huge over in Europe. He was huge, right? And Dude, he was the best – he was the best player in the – in the in Europe. And I, I think – so it, it was interesting that the series kind of – I liked that they did kind of a deep dive on some of the players a part of these teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically the episode where they kind of talked about the Ku coach stuff, uh, you know, they, they, they bag on Jerry Krause a lot, like pretty much the whole series and rightfully so some of the things that he did and said, like, not great. Um, he was a phenomenal GM, but you know, if it weren't for him, like being so dead set on getting this Ku coach guy, like who knows, who knows what would have happened? Cause he had some big shots all throughout, you know, that, that team's existence. Um, specifically one of the ones that I remember is, uh, it was the, the year that Michael was playing uh, baseball in the minors. And uh, I think, was it the first round of the playoffs? I don't remember. But it was the game that, right at the end of the game, they had just enough time for a shot. And they or they wanted to give it to Ku Coach because he was known for doing those shots at the end of games. He had done it mm-hmm. all season that season, right? And Pippen was pissed because it wasn't going to be him. And he had mm-hmm. sat on the bench. He decided he was not going back in that game. And, of course, Kukoc goes in and he drains the shot. You know, that was what he was. He was a clutch player. And it was also cool to see when, the, you know, they played in the, 
the USA basketball, when they played him uh, while he was still playing in Europe, they just completely shut him down. And I think a lot of the Bulls players, it took them a while to really come around on Kukoc because they had such a bad taste in their mouth from not only Jerry Krause, but then, you know, them just embarrassing the hell out of them um, during those games. It was just crazy story. Um, and it, it obviously worked out for the better. He was a great, great uh, marksman to have on that team. Um, so that was that was probably one of my favorite kind of deep dives. Um, I'm obviously a big Steve Kerr guy too. So um, them talking about Steve Kerr and uh, his rise uh, was, was also really interesting. Um, they didn't mention it um, on the documentary, but I, I went back and looked at some stuff on Steve Kerr. So he played at Arizona, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they went over in the last dance that his dad had gotten assassinated. Um, and, you know, see that I that did stuff. not know. Which I, I didn't either. Um, but the, the crazy part was, so I went and did some more research. And so Arizona, uh, so Steve Kerr's dad died. Um, and Arizona had a rivalry game with Arizona State coming up. Mm-hmm. And apparently, some of the Arizona State fans were heckling him and making fun of him for his dad just being brutally murdered. Like, crazy, crazy stuff. I couldn't believe it. Um but that probably explains why he was he was so confident and was capable of coming out there and making the shot, you know, regardless of how big the moment was. Because uh, he, you mentioned John Pax, like uh, John Paxton, like it, it was the same deal. He those guys knew exactly when their time was, and they they knew what shot they needed to to make. And it seemed like one way or another, whether it was Steve Kerr, or John, or Kukoc, or anybody on the bench, it was somebody would rise to the occasion and make the shot. And that's what I think separated them from, you know, the other great teams that we, we talk about in the nineties, they were able to finish. Um, especially when they, they cracked the code of, okay. Cause they were getting bullied around, you know, from the Pistons for a while, the Pistons obviously won a couple championships there. The Knicks gave the bulls some fits. They did have some trouble with some of those physical teams, but, once they figured it out, you know, they, they were able to close games better than anybody else. And they also had the best player in, in the entire world. So that helps. Um, just phenomenal. It was, it was really, really cool. I'm glad they, they pushed up that series and got it out while we were all stuck inside. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. This, uh, this documentary really did open my eyes a lot on on who Michael Jordan was and how, like I said, he was very cerebral in the way that he approached the game, you know? Absolutely. Yes, he wanted perfection, and he wanted perfection out of his teammates because, you know, if he was going to bust his butt for the team, he wanted the same from from the other players. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. He said, and I'm going to butcher this quote, but I think what he said was, I would never tell my teammates to do anything that I wouldn't do. I'm only telling them to do things that I do. Um, I know it's not the exact quote, but mm-hmm. he was basically like, look, I'm not telling you to go do crazy things that I can't do. I'm telling you to, you know, play like me, uh, think like me, see the game the way I do. Like he, he was just trying to mold that mentality for the entire squad. Like you guys have to think about these things. Um, and yeah, he was, he was just always, he was always in gear. He was always ready to go. Um, regardless of the scenarios is crazy. And the, the whole baseball stint is even crazier to me. Like the fact that he went, he decided he wanted to retire quote unquote and go play baseball. And his like first year, he wasn't doing very good. Like his batting average was pretty low. 
you know, he was getting heckled, everything like that. And he was like, all right, well, I'm just going to prove to you guys that I can actually do this. And the next year he batted just about 300. Like that doesn't happen. That's not something that, you know, normal people can do that. You do have a lot of like two sport athletes and stuff, but going from being the best player in the world uh, in the NBA to being a comparable piece, uh, you know, a, a nice piece in baseball, like that doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen, right? Oh, no. Yeah, no. A few cases of that. Uh, Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders are the only two that I can really think of that really stood out in both sports. And that's an anomaly, right? You don't have that very much. Um, but it, it was just crazy. He just decided he was going to go play baseball, and he proved to himself that I'm sure if he would have stuck with it, he probably could have ended up playing in the majors. Not to say that he would have been good, but he probably could. If he would have stuck with it and decided basketball, he wasn't going to do anymore. I would have not been surprised if you saw him on the White Sox. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. And I think that's what separated him from everybody else. And that's what I think. That's why I think um, Kobe and Kobe and, and, and Jordan are two completely different breed of animal. Both of them want to be the best. They want to work hard and they believe that that working hard and having talent is what's going to really put you over the top. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that I've, and that's the one, this is why I think people, people do compare Kobe and, and, and Michael a lot too, because they have those tendencies that are very, very similar, you know, those things that you can't necessarily teach. Absolutely. And I, I think, yes. I think also they, they, they had the benefit of being compared to each other because their games were fairly similar, right? They were both, they were jumper guys. They were great defenders um, they, they were able to see things on the floor that other players just couldn't see. They, they did have a lot of the same qualities as a player. Um, obviously, Michael's time, um, you know, Kobe was just starting out when Michael was, you know, a little over halfway through his career. Um, so definitely different times of the NBA and the games were a little bit different. But there, there is a lot of uh, similar qualities between the two of them. Um, and obviously, they're two of the, the best players to ever play the game. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're splitting hairs when you're talking about uh, Kobe and Mike, but, uh, what I, what I do want to talk about, um, just because, you know, this last dance stuff is now over and I think everybody's minds are kind of fresh with, uh, Michael Jordan. I think it's a good time to kind of talk about, uh, MJ versus LeBron, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's always, a it's always a topic. It's always a debate that comes up and, you know, everybody's got their opinion on it and that's what this is supposed to be because there's no true way to figure it out. Um, Absolutely. but, I would just like to look at some of the numbers here and see, you know, what at the beginning of their careers, how do they can compare, you know, when they won their first championship, that type of stuff, just kind of look at their timelines here. Obviously LeBron's still playing. Um, but I, I'm just curious to see how well they match up because I actually haven't uh, looked at them side by side very closely before. So I think it's a, I think it's a, a good thing to do. Um, so I have, both of their career numbers, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, have both of their career numbers pulled up in front of me. Um, and so I'm not sure if you're kind of looking at the same thing here, but I just kind of want to run over um, some quick things here and we can just kind of discuss. Um, but before we start that, I'm just curious on your take right now, um, Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. Like what, what distinguishes the two of them? Who do you put over the other? Um, I'm just kind of curious where you lean um, at the moment. Yeah. So 
um, you and I have known each other for a while, so you know that I'm a LeBron stan, and I always will be a LeBron stan. Of course. Um, yeah, I, I just think it is it, – and to me, I, I feel like I do have a little bit of LeBron bias because – He's the reason he's my Michael Jordan, essentially. When I talk to older people and I talk to people that grew up watching Michael, they speak to, they speak of Michael like I speak of LeBron. Um, of course, I do think they're one and two um, respective. Like, I, I think they're one and two. Like, I, I don't. And it's really like splitting hairs to me, you know. You can you can take your pick whether whether you like LeBron or you like Michael better. I think this is it's a very opinion based uh, argument, and if you say that one is better than the other, look, I'm not you're not going to hear too much argument out of me. But us being a podcast and this being a debate, obviously, I'm going to try and fight hard to show you why I think LeBron James is the better player. Okay, okay, because yeah, I, I I think naturally I. And this isn't even just by the virtue of debate. Um, I, I think I naturally uh, lean Michael Jordan. And again, it's splitting hairs, right? It's one and two. It's very close. Um, I think I just lean a little bit more Michael Jordan. Um, but I think you're, you're not making a wrong pick by saying LeBron James is, you know, the GOAT. I don't think anybody's going to get on you about that. People just want to get into the specifics of, you know, Michael Jordan was better because of this, or LeBron James was better because of this. Um, and so let's, let's just kind of look at the numbers here. Right. Um, so I have, like I said, I have both of their stuff pulled up here. So I am looking at um, both of their rookie years because they were both rookie of the year um, when they came in. Um, so just off the bat here, um, Michael Jordan played 82 games his first year with the Bulls. Um, and LeBron played 79 games um, with the Cavaliers. Um, so as far as like game, you know, uh, usage, uh, yeah, they're fairly close. Um, it looks like their minutes per game, uh, Michael Jordan was 38.3 and LeBron was 39.5, um, which is to be expected. I think both of their teams were in pretty bad shape when they got drafted. Yeah, which both, is teams, why they both, both, yeah both teams were dog shit. So, <laughs> yeah, so. Um, you know, as far as the usage goes and that, that it's per game, um, they're pretty close. It looks like LeBron's got the lead just a little bit there as far as minutes. Um, but what I'm really interested in looking at, um, their points per game here. So, uh, rookie of the year for, um, or rookie year for Michael Jordan, when he won rookie of the year, he averaged 28.2 points per game. Um, that was 84, 85, um, LeBron James, 0304, um, rookie of the year. He averaged 20.9 points per game. Um, so just going off a scoring perspective, obviously Michael Jordan has the lead here. Um, but some of the other statistics that are pretty interesting because um, obviously LeBron's known to be, um, a, you know, a facilitator, a passer. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got really good court vision. Um, you don't necessarily attribute defense to LeBron James. Um, you kind of attribute defense a little bit more to Michael Jordan, um, but he was definitely more of a ball hog. Um, so I was looking at some of the other statistics here for the rookie years, um, 84, 85 for Michael Jordan. He averaged 5.9 assists per game, um, which LeBron James also averaged 5.9 assists per game. Um, so it's very, very close there. Uh, they're, yeah. they're tied up there. Um, Michael Jordan averaged 0.8 blocks a game. 
um, LeBron was 0.7 blocks a game. Um, turnovers, they both had three and a half uh, turnovers average. Um, assists, LeBron James had 5.9, and Michael Jordan had 5.9. Steals, LeBron James 1.6, Michael Jordan 2.4. Um, and we'll look at rebounds real quick. Um, offensive rebounds, Michael Jordan, two. Uh, defensive rebounds, four and a half. And then for LeBron James, uh, offensive rebounds, 1.3. And defensive rebounds, 4.2. So I think it's pretty fair to say um, their rookie years were fairly close um, as far as pretty much everything across the board other than points per game. Um, MJ did have the, the lead there. He was up 8.2. Um, there. Um, but it's actually, it's pretty interesting to me. Cause like I said, I haven't looked at these numbers before, but uh, when you look at them side by side, their rookie years, they were pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, and it, it's, it's obvious, right. They both came into the league and made a storm real quick. Um, they, they were drafted for a reason. They went to bad teams and they really quickly, uh, you know, made it obvious that they were drafted number one, rightfully so. And they, they were, you know, storming to be getting rings and become some of the best players to ever play. So that was year one. Um, obviously, year two for Michael Jordan. Um, I'm not going to go over year two between the two of them because uh, he that's the year that he broke his foot. Um, he only played 18 games that year. Um, so it's pretty much a wash. The only thing I will note, and he only played 18 games, so the average is higher. He did average 22.7. Um, which is still pretty good for 18 games. But um, LeBron ended up playing 80 games his second year. Um, so he obviously gets um, – he gets the nod there. And I think it's interesting, um, 04, 05, um, LeBron, he averaged 42.4 minutes per game, which actually led the league that year um, across the board. So that's something I didn't know. Um, so it, it's – and we, we know this, right? Uh, the Cavs – wore LeBron down. They, I mean, they relied on him so much. So it's not a surprise after year one, they figured out, wow, this guy's legit as fuck. We're going to have him on the floor all the time. We need him on the floor if we want to win games. Um, but it's still crazy to me that second year in, he led the league in minutes per game. Well, yeah, dude. Well, you also got to put into consideration to the teammates that LeBron has had, has had over the years as well. Um, comparatively, I mean, they can you can easily say that they they were pretty equal on, on on teams as far as absolutely as far as team teams are concerned. But man, you yeah no um I holy cow dude I it it is crazy to me to to think that because Le, I didn't know that I didn't know that LeBron was utilized forty two minutes in his first or not his second season after being in the NBA for a year at yeah, the age of that's wild. 19, 20 years old. And it's crazy too, because, you know, the last couple of years we're always talking about usage, right. And LeBron taking time off and stuff that, that year, um, his second year in the league. So he averaged 42.4 minutes per game there. Then he went on in 05-06 to go to 42.5 minutes per game. Um, and that is his career high across the board. Um, so his first couple of years, he got his most usage um, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty interesting. I, I didn't expect that because 
some of those Cavs teams, um, especially, and we'll get to talking about this a little bit later when we start talking championships, but some of those Cavs teams, I mean, if he wasn't on the, the four, they were not doing anything. Oh, I mean, no, they just absolutely didn't. <laughs> not. No, dude, that's why that the, that's why some of those teams that LeBron has taken to the finals, dude, they, they, they didn't belong there. <laughs> absolutely. They were only there because LeBron was there, and it's fair. And, you know, there's nothing – you can't say anything about that. He obviously deserved to be there. He got them there. All that, um, but it's still crazy to me. Just right off the bat, first couple years, highest usage right there, um, and it tapers off. It looks like past couple years, um, seventeen, eighteen, when he was still with the Cavs, he had thirty six point nine, and then the Lakers last year, thirty five point two. He obviously had the groin injury last year, so that he did miss some games. I don't remember how many games he missed. He only played fifty five total last year, um, and then this year, obviously, put an asterisk next to it. Um, because we don't really have uh, a really good uh, what we we don't have a really good pool of stats to go off of um, considering they only really got halfway through the season. So mm-hmm. it's got him at thirty four point nine. Um, obviously, that Lakers team this year is badass. They didn't need him on the floor all the time. Yeah. Um, so that definitely changes it. But yeah, that's that's crazy to me. Um, yeah, this just year how those numbers dipped. This year, you can you can say arguably that this this. This year, this team is the most complete team LeBron has had. Oh, by a long shot. There's there's no argument. I mean, okay, I guess there is an argument. I should backtrack that a little bit because those the, the couple years he was with the Heat, those teams were really good. I can't take anything away from those. Uh, Dwayne Wade, obviously, great partner to have on the floor. Um, they, they, they had really they, – they had a sound team over there. Mm-hmm. Um, especially it helps that you have Ray Allen um, <laughs> yeah. on, on your team. But you get what um, I mean? You get what I mean? Like yeah. there's not a whole lot of holes that the Lakers have this year that, that, you know, that would make you think that, Hey, no, this, this team is LeBron literally carrying this team or, Hey, if you take LeBron out of this, this, they're barely a playoff team. No, you take LeBron James off of this team. They can still be a six seed, five seed. They would 17? still be a middle of the pack playoff team. Yeah, they would still be a middle. Of, I mean, they they have. It, it was crazy too because you know I, I know you're a LeBron stan, and sometimes I I, I take the opposite uh, end of the argument just to frustrate you because it's fun. Um, but I actually legitimately didn't think at the beginning of the season when I saw like all the free agent signings and stuff that they you know they got. I was like, there's no way this is gonna work. This just seems all over the place. I was like, I don't know. Like they, they obviously had a plan in mind because it worked out really well, but I doubted it. I didn't think, you know, some of those guys coming in like Dudley and, uh, you know, list goes on. Dudley was just what came off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that was going to work. I, I, I thought there was too much all over the place as far as, you know, they, they got a lot of big men. They got some like guards that, you know, are okay. We're never like standout guards. Um, but they made it work. They made it work really well. Um, and so, yeah, I would say this is definitely by far the most complete team that he's played on. Um, I, the, like I said, the only argument you could really make to go against that would be talking about when he was with the Heat. But, I mean, nobody's going to make an argument that he had a complete team with the Cavs. No way. No. Even with Kevin not. Love and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I mean, th- those teams still weren't very complete. Like, they still mm-hmm. had gaping holes. Gaping holes. Well, here's the thing. Kyrie, Kyrie was, it was still fairly young when, when LeBron showed up, you know. So, he was kind of still – a kid at heart, you know, he was more about his stats than winning. And then LeBron kind of brought that culture with him that he, that he picked up while being in Miami. 
And, and, you know, he showed Kyrie how to be a consummate pro. I feel like if Kyrie Irving, if, if Kyrie Irving was in that, in, in the place that he is, as far as like his basketball IQ, if he had the same basketball IQ and in, in, in basketball maturity that he has now, as, as he had back then, we'd be talking about a completely different story. Absolutely. You know, but... and here's the other thing, Kevin Love, Kevin Love, yes, as like, when he was with the Timberwolves, he was an absolute monster. He was an absolute beast. He was, you know, he was a 30-30 guy. He could put up 30 points and and break out 30 rebounds on any given night, it felt like, when he was with the Timberwolves. And I just don't know. I don't know what happened with him at the Cavs, but he was not as impactful as he should have been, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, I, you know, he definitely was still impactful. Um, we'll, we'll talk about some of this stuff more later, but – those series with Golden State, I mean, the year that Kyrie and Kevin Love were both hurt, I mean, not having those guys on the floor, they didn't have a chance. They didn't no. have a chance. And um, even then, they almost – they om- dude, there was a little bit – there was a, a little bit of a chance there that they almost got it. Absolutely, but that's only because you had, the, you know, the best player in the world on your team. Like, they, that's – that's it just goes back to what we're talking about. Like, we're, we're talking about two guys who – their teams relied on them 100% of the time. And if you had one of them on the floor, you always had a puncher's chance, a fighter's chance of winning a game, right? You were never out of it, regardless of, mm-hmm. you know, how how down you were. Um, obviously, I'm a Chiefs fan. Um, I love Mahomes. And it kind of reminds me of that because it, that, that was the running theme this past season when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, right? The, the Chiefs were never out of a game because they had the best player in the league and he was great at digging them out of holes. He was always able to come back. You can never count him out. And that's that's kind of what I just think about with both MJ and LeBron. You always had a chance if they were on the floor. And in big moments, they were on the floor. They were always – they were there and they were present and they were part of it. Mm-hmm. So, so we looked at rookie of the year, um, rookie years for both of them. Um, I want to jump to MVPs um, for both of them. So – Michael Jordan's first MVP year was 1991, um, and then LeBron James, his first MVP was 2009 with the Cavs. Um, so I just want to look at kind of some of the same stats that we looked at mm-hmm. um, for the rookie years with their MVP years here. So for Michael's MVP year, um, he played 82 games, um, which led the league, and he averaged 31.5 points, which also led the league. Um, he averaged one block – 2.7 steals, 5.5 assists. Um, he had averaged 1.4 offensive rebounds and 4.6 defensive rebounds. So relatively across the board, um, his stats were actually pretty comparable to um, his rookie campaign. Obviously, his, his scoring average was a little bit higher. His shooting percentage, um, specifically um, his three-point shooting percentage, was up quite a bit. Um, his rookie year, it was – 17.3%. Um, he was obviously not taking threes very much. Um, but his first MVP year, it jumped up to 31.2%, um, which is quite a bit of a jump. Yeah. Um, so it seems like, you know, obviously that's his it. jumper, he, he figured that one out. And uh, that's, that's where he was starting to torch people. Um, and people were starting to get worried there. Um, mm-hmm. So that was his stat line for his MVP year. If we go to LeBron James, um, 2009, um, he played 76 games. Um, his points per game was 
Um, so still pretty good and not far behind MJ. Um, he averaged a block a game, 1.6 steals, 8.6 assists, um, 6.4 defensive rebounds, and 0.9 offensive rebounds. Um, his three-point shooting percentage was 33.3, um, which is pretty great. Um, and he was taking he's taking about five threes a game. Um, so not too far off from MJ. MJ was taking a little bit less. He was only taking about one and a half threes a game. Um, but LeBron did have the better three-point percentage um, on their MVP campaigns. Um, the, the real stat that pops out to me, and we were just talking about it, um, LeBron James, first MVP, he averaged 8.6 assists a game, um, which is wild. Um, we obviously know he's a facilitator. Um, he shares the ball a lot. But what I'm seeing um, – here is his first MVP year, 8.6 assists. It took him until 2016-2017 to bump up that average. So that was his highest assist average for about eight years. Um, and then in 20, or yeah, 2017, uh, he had 8.7. And then 2018 or 2017-2018, he had 9.1. Um, and then this year with the Lakers was actually his career high in assists per game. He had 10.6. Um, so that's really interesting to me. Um, again, he did everything for the Cavs, um, and that was his his MVP. He won that, um, and then he won another MVP, uh, and then obviously went to Miami afterwards. Um, but even their MP, you know, their first MVPs, um, both of them. They, pretty comparable uh, like I said really the only thing that stands out to me is LeBron was a little bit more of a sharing the ball type of guy and uh, mm -hmm. Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan so his you know his points per game are a little bit higher um, and of course Michael Jordan had played a few more games um, led the league in that but looking at it under the microscope it, it, it it's already wild to me how close they are in comparison especially when you take into consideration that they're playing in two different times right Aaron's, michael yeah. jordan's era of the nba is not lebron's era of the nba it's way different you know mm -hmm. people are shooting more threes now people are passing the ball a lot more now um it's a very it's a constant there's a lot of energy it's constantly moving uh back then it wasn't necessarily it was a little bit more iso ball a little bit more physicality a little bit more defense um three pointers they were still utilized but they obviously weren't utilized to what they are now um, so mm -hmm. it, it's hard to look at it from that perspective, but they're pretty neck and neck in my opinion, <laughs> their, their, their first MVP, uh, tours. Yeah, no. Uh, and see that's that's why, and I feel like that's when the ball started getting, getting rolling with LeBron and, and Mike, you know, the people were starting to see, Oh my gosh, this guy, you know, he, they, they said that he was going to be the next great basketball player. And here he is, you know, that, it, it it's just crazy to me that that they're so close in their in the, in their stats and that and they just play two completely different styles of 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 game you know michael absolutely jordan, michael jordan wanted to drop 40 on your head each night you know lebron lebron yeah him being more passive he was more of a type of person that was like okay what can i do to make this whole thing work He's like, what, what, what do I need to do to get this player involved? What do I need to do to get this player involved? 
Well, and it's it, it's it's also like looking at these numbers. The the biggest thing that's sticking out to me right now, and it, it's hard not to look at it because they bold it. The amount of times that Michael Jordan led the league in points per game, he led the league in points per game. Let's see, one, two, three, seven, ten times out of the thirteen years he played in the NBA, he led the league in scoring ten times. Yep, ten times scoring champ, and I think LeBron's only done it once, and that was in no seven and no eight. Correct. Once that that's the biggest thing that pops out to me is how many times Michael Jordan just torched the league and let in, you know, points per game. I would have thought LeBron would have had a couple more. I didn't realize he only had one scoring champion. Yeah, that's something I actually didn't know. My argument to that is, bro, we all know that LeBron James is a pass first player and that's how he's always been. He's been a team oriented player. LeBron or Jordan, I mean, Jordan has been he's been more of a, you know, I'm a I'm a score 40 on you each night because that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely he wants the ball in his hands. LeBron is more willing to get get the, the better basket. Michael Jordan makes every basket look great, but LeBron is looking for the for the best basket. And, and sometimes that doesn't work out in his favor because, you know, he's not connected with all his with all his teammates. But you see, whenever he does connect with his with with his team, you see the amazing passes that he has. This is why, this is why he looks so great in Miami because he was playing with Dwayne Wade, a player that he knows his game, and 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 Dwayne Wade knows his game. And you can, you know, they both had had the same drive to be really really great. And you 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 see the chemistry that they had together, Jordan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Jordan. And Jordan, I mean, it's it's not the same, um, but Jordan definitely did have that chemistry. I mean, I think the, the thing about the last dance that irritated me was how dirty they did Scottie Pippen. They did him oh, so yeah. dirty. Like, and Scottie Pippen was integral to those teams. Not to say that Michael Jordan didn't pull the most of the weight, but come on, how many times does somebody like – like Michael Jordan be blessed with an amazing player like Scottie Pippen. I mean, it's not very common that you have a good running mate like that. I mean, Scottie Pippen was amazing. Uh, the reason was, why Scottie Pippen was so over, was so under underlooked was because he was on the team with Michael Jordan. I know. I know. And it, that's the reason why, why Scottie was so underlooked and people don't give him his flowers while he was with, he was with Michael. Of course he's going to get overlooked. It's the Michael effect, you know? Definitely, and rightfully and, so. It's just and it's I don't crazy know. to me. And to me, Scotty doesn't seem like that much of a talker either. He seems like he's more, you know, more of about him in himself, you know, and what have you. He's not like Michael Jordan out there talking, talking shit to other players. No, and he definitely just, wasn't, but... I like it's crazy because watching the last dance, like I obviously knew about Scottie Pippen and uh, you know how great he was. But the thing was that popped out to me the most while watching like some of the you know the highlights and stuff, how big mm-hmm. he was compared to everybody else on the court. I mean, he was he was tall, dude. He, yeah, he, I mean, he was a huge mismatch for you know left and right the league. I mean, they, you know, you had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Like, no chance. You have no chance. Um, and, and honestly, it, it, dude, he was just so athletic, too. That's something that people do do overlook about 
about uh, Scottie Pippen is that I swear he was just so much more athletic than the other forwards in the league at the time. Well, I mean, I, I think he, to me, um, and there, there was obviously other players, um, but to me, I think he really revolutionized and really like stabilized that forward position because we, you, you do have some other forwards that came before him. Um, and the thing that always bothers me about the NBA is that like, you, you could be playing primarily one position, but still be considered another, right? Yeah. Because, you know, like Magic, for instance, Magic was, I mean, he, he primarily played point guard, right? He primarily played guard. But yeah. a lot of the stats that you see here, they have him listed as a forward, which is strange to me. Um, but to me, Scottie Pippen was like that, that first. And you, you obviously had Carl Malone relatively in the same time frame, but Carl was basically just getting hot when, you know, the Bulls but he was a power forward. He was a power forward compared to compared to a, a, a small forward that that Scotty would be. Absolutely, but if I just look at that position as a whole, and I know they have their differences, but I, when I just look at the forward position, the person that comes to mind all the time is Scotty Pippen. I mean, he just kind of paved that way um, and really made that position such a staple on the court. Yeah. What um, year? What? 91-92 was the first year that they won, correct? Yep, yep. Oh, my gosh, man. How would you want this for a running mate? Let's see here. 21 points. This is this is his 91-92 numbers for Scotty. Okay. 21 points per game. He had a 50% field goal percentage. Let's see here. He averaged... 7.7 rebounds a game, seven assists a game, almost two steals a game, and a block a game. Woo! Who wouldn't want that as a running mate? No, those are those are solid numbers across the board, man. You could not ask for much more, especially he was shooting, you said 50% from the floor? Yeah, he was shooting 50.6 from the floor. Wow. The following year, 18.6 points per game. Forty-seven point three. He did take a little bit of a of a of a step back, but I'll, I'll take forty-seven point three percent. Hey, what did okay. his uh, what did his ninety-three, ninety-four stats look like? Because that was the year that Jordan went and played in the minor leagues, and Scotty actually still got that team to the playoffs. I'm curious. They definitely his point per game 94? has to be yeah, ninety-three, ninety-four. Twenty-two points a game. Okay, uh, forty-nine percent uh, field goal. Uh, field goal percentage he averaged 8.7 rebounds 5.6 assists and he averaged almost three steals a game oh man see that that that's that's a player to me that i think regardless is never going to get enough credit of scotty pippen and again yeah the last dance did expose some moments where he was kind of a you know a stubborn person and you know he kind of had some things going on but i mean yeah, I, I would too. I, I, I don't I don't blame him. Um, obviously, it sucks, and I don't necessarily think that, like, for instance, he should have sat out at the end of that game when Kukoc made that shot. But regardless, it's just Scottie Pippen, you could have not asked for a better, like, person to have on your team. I mean, he, that guy was solid as hell, um, and he was just, like, it just sucks. He had some really unfortunate things happen. Like, he signed a contract, so he had stability and didn't have to, you know, move teams and – uh, you know, he had a good contract, 
obviously the the contract wasn't good. Uh, he wasn't getting paid enough, all that stuff. There was just some unfortunate things that happened during his career that were pretty much like, I want to say they're out of like his control. They obviously weren't because he did sign that deal. But still, I mean, you could have not asked for somebody better to be alongside the greatest, per- or, you know, the greatest player of all time. You just, you couldn't. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, by the, oh, we are also forgetting about Dennis Rodman. How how big of a, how big of a factor he was in in this whole thing. You know, I got, I I understood that Dennis Rodman was the was the third musketeer in that in that whole situation, but I did not realize how integral he was in that in that team well he was I just the last dance. he was a great defensive like player got, and he he could rebound I thought the ball. That he was a great yeah i thought i knew that he was a great defensive player and a phenomenal rebounder probably the greatest rebounder that the game has ever seen oh absolutely but i just did not realize that 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 as soon as horace grant left and went to the magic that they were missing that and i feel like as soon as they got dennis it completely just opened the the doors wide open to that Bulls team. I'm pulling up Rodman numbers here right at the moment. Um, what I what, what what I was trying to say um, was not only was Dennis Rodman like a super big impactful player on the court, but man, oh man, was he so entertaining off the court. That guy was a firework show. Holy, firework have show. you seen the Dennis Rodman documentary? Yes, I have. It's great. I love it. I, I just I. It's it's crazy to me. Uh, I, he was such a character, and like the the last dance was so great. Like they brought in like Carmen Electra. Like nobody else did it like Rodman. He was just he was such a weird character, and he was so out there. But he could back his. You know, he would get in trouble. He would disappear for like seventy two hours. He'd come back, and it was like he was never gone. The guy was consistent as hell when he was on the court. Dude, I'm just looking at this at this man's rebounds. Oh my goodness. So 91-92, when he was still with Detroit, he led the league in total rebounds with 18.7. Yeah. Then 93, when he was still with the Pistons, he averaged 18.3 total rebounds a game. That led Mm -hmm. the league. Then first year um, with the Spurs, um, he averaged 17.3 rebounds a game. That still led the league. 94-95, 94-95, his second year with the Spurs, it was 16.8, still led the league. Then you get him in Chicago, 95-96, 14.9 total rebounds, led the league. 96-97, 16.1 rebounds, led the league. 97-98, 15 rebounds, led the league. This guy led the league in total rebounds for seven years straight, and he was with three different teams over that seven-year span. That is, that is mind- ridiculous. Three like, different teams over seven years. Three I can, different teams. I can appreciate Dennis Rodman, dude, because he he was so smart. He was very very intelligent when it came to basketball. You know, like that's what I that's what fascinated about me about him is that he would tell people, "Hey, shoot the ball." I just want to see. I just want to see where it bounces off. If you miss it, it's a like he studied everybody's shot, so he knew exactly where he needed to be to get the rebound or the best opportunity for him to get the rebound. That is, that is dedication. Also, it's crazy. Um, He led the league three years in a row um, in games, 82 games, three years in a row with the Pistons. He was all his numbers. And like, we we knew (laughs) we write the bad boy Pistons. 
if they didn't have Rodman, they wouldn't have been the bad boy Pistons. There's no, you know, there's no argument against that. Um, but he was so consistent with the Pistons. I mean, his numbers, just looking at this, it's And he didn't need points, was which was crazy. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, the biggest thing with Rodman was the guy was a model of consistency. I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have asked for someone better on the boards. I mean, again, 90-91, uh, before he started going crazy with the rebounds, he was still averaging 12.5 total rebounds a game. I mean, and then he goes on, obviously, that tear, that seven-year tear that we just talked about, but it's just wild to me. He was such a, like, for three different teams, he was that integral of a piece. For three different teams. That does not happen like that. I mean, you usually have, if you switch teams, you know, not necessarily your play style changes, but you have to fit a new system. You have to work with new players, new coaching, you know, all the stuff that goes into that. But for him to just go seven years, three different teams, and just not miss a beat, it, it's, just, it's wild. And it's, it's amazing to look at. All while partying too and doing hood hood rat shit, basically. Absolutely. I mean, that was the best part of it, man. He like he he'd go out there and have a great night, have you know, ten rebounds, and then he'd be flying down to Florida and go and do WWE the next day. I mean, like he never missed a beat with anything. He was always one place to another. I mean, it man. just 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 wild. And the crazy thing about it is. The team knew that he was doing this, this, these things, but he, they were like, "Hey, he produces. That's Dennis. As long as he produces, that's not a problem." Well, I think it helped that they had Phil as the coach too, because like Phil and Dennis had like a, like a weird connection, and I think Phil was able to see through to Dennis that I think a lot of other coaches and people couldn't. Not to say that Dennis still didn't do the same things that he always did, but you know. Phil was never necessarily worried about it, even when Rodman was gone for 72 hours and he was supposed to be back in 48 and that whole incident. It's just like Phil got to him and, you know, they got the most out of him. And it, it, it's not unfair to say that they probably wouldn't have won those next three titles if they didn't have Rodman. There's no way they would have because they, like you said, they didn't have Horace Grant anymore. They needed somebody like that. If not, if not, Shaq was going to get their lunch, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, yeah, the Magic were up and coming. And I mean, th that was it, the crazy thing was you look back and like Jordan had this checklist. Right. And any time that somebody outplayed him, outdid him or got spotlight over him, it, it, you were on his list. And I mean, he, he was checking those boxes. If you beat him, if you got the MVP over him, I mean, he talked about it. And, you know, the the last dance, like he respected Carl Malone. He thought Carl Malone was great. Um, but Carl Malone won the MVP in 97 and Jordan thought that he should have gotten the MVP in 97. And it, it, it fueled him for them to beat the jazz that year in the finals, you know? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though with Michael is Michael took motivation from any little thing. Exactly. It could have just been the, the most random thing and it could have just been somebody having a conversation like you and I are having now. And somebody could have just said something that wasn't like, backed by any malicious intent it wasn't meant to be anything to like get him riled up and it would rile him up and he would get going like that guy he, he didn't need much i mean he, he, like dude you, you go up to him and he's like hey michael have a good day what do you mean have a good day 
Oh, man, I'm about to drop 80 on you. You're saying I'm not going to have a good day? Watch this shit. I'm about to have the best day I've ever had. <laughs> like, it, it, it is just so amazing to me. And this that's the one thing that this dog proved to me, that Michael was a cerebral assassin. And see, that's – so we looked at the numbers. Th- this is, to me, why I take Mike over LeBron. Because of the intangibles – that went with Michael's game. He was the fiercest competitor and he had a way of getting the best out of not only everybody around him, but himself. I mean, he would make up stuff to motivate him to go out there and put on a show. And it's the intangibles that I think really separate the two of them because they, they do, they have different styles of game and things like that. But, LeBron just doesn't have that same – I don't even know what you call it, that same persona. Killer mentality? Yeah, he doesn't have that same mentality that MJ or Kobe had because Kobe was the same way. We, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode. He was very cerebral yeah. and he was very – he was very concerned with, you know, a lot of the things that most people wouldn't be concerned with, but he was always thinking about. And that's – to me, that's why I think they're, Michael and Kobe are so close, and that's why I think I would take – Michael over LeBron just because of the intangibles and things that you can't measure, but they were there and you knew they were there. Um, and it made a difference at the end of the day. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing. And here's the thing that I'll, I'll give, I'll give to Michael that I, I don't necessarily would give to LeBron 24 seconds on the clock. Michael Jordan has the, has the ball in his hands. People are sweating. The opposite team is sweating. I don't care what anybody tells you. That t- everybody thought, hey, if the ball's in Michael's hands, that's going in. He's about to win this game. Absolutely. You, you, and you with just... LeBron, and with LeBron, it's a little bit different. LeBron has the ball in his hands. People are like, okay, yeah, this is going to be really, really hard. This is going to be really, really tough. But you know, it's a hit or miss kind of shot. You don't. LeBron strikes fear because he out physical. He out physicals everybody, but he doesn't have the same mind games that Michael had. Like Michael, as soon as he stepped onto the court, he made his first shot. People were thinking, oh man, this is going to be a long day. See, you, you just answered what would have been my last question. If it came down to the end of a game, who would you rather take the shot? And I'd take Michael Jordan 10 out of 10 times because of what well, you just listed. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, is I don't know exactly if LeBron is going to take that last shot. If LeBron has a, a person wide open because he's drawn so many people in, you know, he's going to try to pat, make that pass. Whereas Michael, Michael, he wants that game winner. He wants to take that that last last second shot. But he was also very smart, too, where he was like, I know that I'm going to get doubled in this. And I've, I've seen that 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 Steve Kerr has been open. I'm going to give this ball to Steve. Yep. yep. Where, you know, Le- Le- LeBron, yes, he probably has seen that in the game. But, you know, he he depends more on his team than Michael ever did. Absolutely. And it, it still goes back to they were in different times and the game was different. But what you just outlined and what we just talked about, that is my sole reasoning for taking Michael Jordan over LeBron James. Because – like I mentioned, I had not looked at the numbers side by side, 
Um, and I'm not surprised that the numbers match up pretty well side by side. So if you're going to just go off a statistic thing, I think it's a real toss up. Um, but where I think you do get separation, like I mentioned, is where you have the intangibles and the things that you don't teach, you can't measure. It's just something somebody has or something that they don't. And that was the big distinguishing factor for why Michael had such or such success with his career. He had he had something in his mind that everybody else didn't have. And he could turn it on and turn it off at any point in time. And he, he just knew he, he was so situationally aware, right? He, he knew exactly what was going on all the time. And like you just mentioned, he knew he was going to get double and he had seen that play a thousand times. And he said, okay, we used to do this with John. We have Steve now, Steve, this is your moment. And he knew Steve was going to sink that shot. He had no doubt in his mind. He knew Steve was going to sink that shot. And I think you would have been stupid to think otherwise. But the point being, he was so situationally aware at all times that he knew that was going to get drawn up exactly how it played out. And that Kerr was going to be open for the shot. And Kerr was going to make the shot. Or later in his career, they were like, we're letting Michael take the last shot. And he knew. He knew he was going to be able to make that shot. He was talking. I forget the name of the defender. Um, but he was talking about, he knew, uh, that that guy was going to overreach, um, and end up, you know, getting off his feet there. He knew that. And that that's just, to me, that's what separates it. Um, and that's, that's why I would take MJ over LeBron. Um, <laughs> all in yeah, my, you uh, cannot, but you can't, you can't like, you can't shit on LeBron's basketball IQ either. LeBron has no, one of the not. highest basketball IQs that, that, that the game has ever seen. Um, I do, like I said, they're just two completely different personalities. LeBron is more of a, hey, man, we're buddy buddies. Let's, let, he's all about team camaraderie, you know. He wants to throw Halloween parties with his teammates. He wants to go banana boating with with his his friends that he that he's known throughout his, his career. You will never, ever see Michael Jordan on a banana boat with Dude. Charles Barkley. <laughs> no, you won't. No, and, you won't. And Magic Johnson. No, you will not. You will never see that. No, he's still got Michael grudges Jordan, with people twenty that, years later, man. He's still he's exactly. still like people. Like, yeah, I feel like LeBron is more democratic, in as far as his personality is, and I feel like Michael Jordan is more of a like a dictatorship. And 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 I'm not trying. And you know, dictatorship, you know, it brings out red flags for people. They're like, oh no. Oh, you're calling Michael Jordan addicted? No, he was like, no, this is what we're gonna do. This is how you're gonna do it, and this is how how it's gonna get done, whether you like it or not. Well, you know what I, I think also should be mentioned, and this isn't even talking necessarily about basketball. Uh, I guess it still is, but you know, Michael during his time, players weren't expected to be taking political stances and being like, you know, forefront. Uh, you know, motivators and being inspiration for me. They, they weren't, they weren't public figures necessarily. They were players. And Michael Jordan obviously was a public figure. He was like the biggest person on the planet. I'm not saying that, but sports were different back then because you weren't looked at when there was controversy to give a statement or to take a stance. There, there was that one specific um, mention about the mayor, um, the, the, I forget, um, I forget his name, uh, which is not good for me mentioning this, but there was the the minority candidate that was trying to run for mayor. Um, yeah. And 
it was so close and they wanted Michael to make that public statement because they knew that he had such an inspiration and such a, uh, he drew so many people in that if he would have made that statement and said, Hey, I, I support this guy and his ideas. This is why I think he should be mayor. Um, you know, they, they thought that would tighten the race up enough to where he would have the lead. Obviously it didn't work out that way because he said he wasn't, he didn't feel comfortable going out and making a statement like that because that wasn't his agenda. He was there to play basketball. Um, and I think that what, too. And, and another thing that I, I, I don't think people mentioned is that Michael Jordan said he didn't know enough about him to, to give him the endorsement either, which is fair. You know, you can't just say, Hey, I support this person and not know the, the, all the facts. Cause then you look like a dummy. Of course. And I think that's another distinguisher between the two of them because LeBron's obviously very much a public figure and he's very open and, uh, you know, public about his stances on things. And I think that's where you also get the distinguishing because LeBron's so much more involved in extracurriculars, uh, the basketball court aside. Um, and I think he has that extra added pressure of being that person now, plus being that person on the basketball court. And MJ didn't have that. He just had, he knew basketball. Yeah. He just had basketball and he was the best player and, and he was, he was a public figure and he was such an ambassador for the league and, you know, pushing the league in the right direction and uh, getting the NBA to where it is now. It's just, it's different. And that's why it's so hard yeah. to compare not only just them on the court, but just the times we live in different times. Now it's not the same. Uh, and exactly. I think that's like social media, like that's, that's one thing that I, I, I think it's a huge, huge factor that people just don't necessarily consider all that hardly is social media plays a huge, huge part in how we get our information today. So we don't necessarily know how, how social media would have been like back, back in Jordan's time too. Are you kidding me with Jordan as popular as he was? Can you imagine Jordan couldn't even take a shit without anybody knowing <laughs> if, if social media was, was going on back then? Oh my God. So, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine, uh, not to mention that his Twitter probably would have been uh, rather rough. I saw some people making comparisons. If, if Michael Jordan had Twitter, woo, you know, yeah. you know for a fact that he would be replying to every single tweet at him. He would be replying to everybody. Like if people were, And I don't necessarily know that because, you know, Michael Jordan, even back then, he was worried about his brand. So I'm sure that he would probably have somebody – looking over his Twitter to make sure that his public relations is, 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 is top well, par. You yeah. Know? And I'm not saying that I'm saying the the way that his mind is wired, he would have not let people openly on social media, just criticize him without him getting a say in it. it that's just the way he works. And I feel like he would have been, I mean, he obviously wouldn't have been like ridiculous and saying ridiculous shit. I'm not saying any of that. He just, I mean, if people would have came out on Twitter and been like, Hey, you suck. Carl Malone's better. Like he, he's not going to let that one sit there. Absolutely not. That's just not, I think he would me personally. I don't, I don't think you're giving Michael enough credit because I'm like, like I was saying, dude, he is very cerebral in the way that he he's very maniacal in how he operated in the game. You don't think he would do that exact same thing unless 
like let's say Isaiah Thomas was was talking shit to him on social media, then that might be a different issue. But just some random internet troll trying to just get the best of him just to get a reply from Michael, I don't think that he would necessarily do that. You know how what I think he would have done? He would have gone to the to the game the very next night in Utah and dropped fifty points and would have been like, okay, let me. So uh, who's better now? That's how he would be. So. I feel like – go ahead. But no, no. So I think you make a good point. Um, but before we wrap this up, I want to make sure to make this point because – or to ask this question because I'm very curious. So you know the dream team because uh, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas, right? And he got he got snuffed yeah. or snubbed on that dream team. And Michael obviously said I, I didn't have any part in him not coming on that team. Do you think which is bullshit? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Do you think? I, I think he had a pretty big helping hand in making sure that Isaiah Thomas got left off that list because I know that there's like, no way. I know that Isaiah Thomas was not necessarily very popular with other players, but it was undeniable how good he was. I mean, that his head coach was the coach. Yeah, like his old head coach was the coach of the of the team. Like. It, somebody what? had to have played some like shenanigans and done something to make sure that he got left off that list because I, I don't find it to be true that they just all decided, oh, we don't want Isaiah to – I don't think so. I think Michael Jordan was like, hey, fuck this guy. I don't want to play with this guy. We're doing everything we can to keep him off this team. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. And I don't think it was necessarily like, no, fuck that dude. I don't, don't – don't put him on my squad. I think it was kind of like, hey, the Olympic team came in and they were like, Hey Mike, uh, we're thinking about bringing in Isaiah. Um, we want to know is this going to be an issue? And I'm sure Michael was just like, you know, I'll be a professional, but I prefer you not to have him on this team. Or maybe he was like, you can have him on the team. I just don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think, I think what you just said right there. I think that second point. That's probably what it was. He's probably like, look, you, it's either him or exactly, me. Exactly. Yeah. He was like, you guys can bring him on, but I'm just letting you know if you guys bring him on, I'm not being a part of this. Um, which seems to make the most sense, and I think they realize like he's the biggest sports figure on the entire planet. They're not gonna let him leave the team just so they can have Isaiah Thomas, right? Like that's a, that just doesn't no, make any exactly. sense. That, that's a business decision. And, you have to make that decision. You don't do that. Exactly. Exactly. You don't. You don't leave out the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Arguably, you know, you can like I said, it's it's arguably, but you don't you don't kick the best player of all time off the team and you put in just uh, an all-time great, you know? Absolutely. Yep. I agree with you. And that's probably what happened. And I, I don't think anybody's going to be a hundred percent honest about it. Mostly because nobody wants to talk about it at this point in time. It's just this last yeah. stuff coming out. It's like stirred up the pot again. It, it's just, it, I'll reiterate again. It is bringing a lot of, it is bringing in a lot of drama, which is, is hilarious to me because, you know, you would think, oh, Scotty would be happy about how, about how things were were portrayed for him, but he wasn't. Well, you know? okay. What, um, what I was going to reiterate, like, let's be fair. If there was two people that were done pretty unfairly in this documentary, I would say it would have to be Isaiah Thomas and Scotty Pippen because they were both like, there was just not good things to say about him. And it was crazy too about Scotty because they would say good things about him and then something else would come up and they'd shit on him. And it's like, you know, and I get that it's a documentary and it was told from Michael Jordan's perspective, right? It was his perspective, not anybody yeah. else's. So that's all fair. You're going to have opinions in there, but 
yeah, I just I, I feel like a couple people, specifically Isaiah Thomas and Scottie Pippen, were done pretty unfairly. And I think if they went back and wanted to write a documentary on this same stuff, I think they would have a different perspective on it. But that you know, that's the Absolutely. that's the nature of the way we are as human beings. Everybody's got a different perspective, a different opinion. Just like we're sitting here talking about Michael Jordan, LeBron James. I mean. You know, I don't necessarily think we move the needle. I think you still think LeBron's the best, and I still think I think MJ's the best. That's not what we're we're not convincing you know each other. But, you know, yeah. But here's the th- here's my argument to that whole thing too. You know, it's not like I'm completely being naive and putting Le- uh, Michael Jordan off to the side. Correct. Like I said, for me, it is a splitting hairs kind of thing. But here's the here is my argument for this whole thing. If you if okay if you were to put you know. Put all the championships, put all the stats aside, okay? You have two players. One player is is an all-around player. He can score, he can rebound, he can he can assist. One of his his highest his 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 best asset is passing, but he's not a bad rebounder. He's not a bad he's not a terrible shooter either. And he's a 6'8, 6'8, 260 pound freak of nature that doesn't get hurt hardly ever you know and then you you take a 6-6 shooting guard that is one of the all-time best scorers and all-time all-time best uh best defenders you know you put those two together you put those two together yeah one you're gonna lean one, one you're gonna lean with one more than the other well and if you put it if, if you put it day, if you put it just in that lens i'll be honest with you because i'm again we're not trying to convince each other to get out of our like our opinions here if you just put it in that lens you're right i would take lebron because he sounds like a more well-rounded player and he is a more well-rounded player than mj i'm not you know if you just put it in that lens, and see that, I agree and that's with you. and that is my art and that is my argument with with it. You strip just strip everything out of it because guess what? They're two completely different era players, you know. And our, and I will say this: Michael Jordan had way way better teams than LeBron did. And I will I will say I'll say maybe the the two championship teams that LeBron won won with uh won with Miami. You can argue that those teams might be comparable, but even then. You can't you, you can't really compare those teams because they weren't as complete as Michael's team. Yeah, they were star studded, but that doesn't mean that they were more complete. I agree. I, I I think the only counter to your argument there is that that's just not how sports work. We can't strip all of the layers away just to like like I guess you can, yeah, but no. you, you have to have context with this type of stuff. And I think that's why and that because you have context, I think that's why this argument is so tough. You're right. If you strip it down, LeBron's the, I would say the easy choice there. Right. But you know, exactly. But you can't do that. We can't do that. And, and that's fair. Like I said, I will never be mad at anybody that says Michael Jordan is a better basketball player because, Hey, there's days where I look at it and I really sit down and I'm like, no, Jordan is the goat. And honestly, this, this made me, made me almost say, dang, Michael Jordan was actually that guy. Like I, I knew that he was that guy, but I didn't realize he was that guy, you know? And I, there were parts of me that I was just like, goodness gracious, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever touch this, the, this world. But here's the other thing that I, that I like to argue with people is that 
yes, Michael Jordan was a great scorer. He was a great defender, but you also have to have have to have other skills, you know. You have to have the rebounding, the assisting. LeBron James is 6'8", and he has the the the, the skill set of a point guard. How many 6'8 people do you know that can give that, that that pass the ball as flashy as he does, that can dunk the ball with as much uh ferocity? That when you he when LeBron wants to play defense, man, he is terrific at it. You know? For instance, guess what? He 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 had one of the biggest blocks that you will hear in all of the NBA. All of the NBA when he blocked Andre Iguodala. Literally from one side of the court to the other, and he just completely blocks blocks Iggy. Like these are these are like I get it. Michael Jordan had super special moments, but you got to also think of it like this. LeBron has had had great moments as well. I just feel like people don't watch LeBron because or don't give LeBron as much credit as as he should because of the time that he's playing at. I think you're right. Um, my my only rebuttal will well. I don't even really have a rebuttal. I, I think I will cap it with this because you and I could probably go on for a yeah. very long time having this conversation. I think I'll cap it with this. I think it was really good to look at this in detail and look at all of the context around both of their careers and really look at this under a microscope and, you know, see why maybe some people think MJ is better and some people think LeBron's better and why. And I think we, mm-hmm kind of both came to the conclusion that it's not about the stats. It's not about it the stats. It's it about isn't. who they were as a player, the intangible assets that they possess, everything that makes that player the way they are other than what they put up on the boards. And I think exactly. that's why that's why this argument is so interesting. It's so captivating. And, you know, I, I hope just for people that listen to this, I hope you, you maybe have gotten some information that, you didn't know or you didn't think about before um, exactly. because kind of this was kind of new for both of us. We did a deep dive on this um, and it definitely opened my eyes. Um, it, Merv is obviously he's a, he's a big LeBron guy and I, I, I like LeBron, but I've never been a LeBron Stan. Um, and sometimes it may have seemed to some other people that I was just not giving LeBron credit because I just didn't like him. Um, and obviously you probably figured out throughout this debate that that's not necessarily the case. Um, but hopefully it was, you know, it was some good information and hopefully it gives you a better idea of their careers and why this debate's so intense and so back and forth and why nobody really has the right answer. Right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And honestly, I don't think that this, the, it, it's tough because one of them is still in the league and one of them retired 20 years ago. So it's very, very hard to compare them while somebody is still, you know, going. But, Definitely. But here's the thing. I feel like like this argument isn't going to get a fair shake until maybe 10 years after LeBron has retired from the league. Yeah, because you are always playing. But you're ma- yes. But here's the thing. Like you're gonna you're you're gonna try to tell me that somebody that's going to lead in that's gonna be, I think, top fifteen in rebounds top 10 in assists and then top and going to be the, the, the leading scorer in all in, in NBA history. He's not, you're, you're not going to put him in the GOAT conversation. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I don't think it's preemptive to have this debate. You have enough data on both players to be able to have this debate. You really do. Absolutely. Especially when, like you I said, make, when you do just put rings aside. When you put rings yeah. aside, you know, then it, it really does become a very interesting conversation, and it really can go either way. And that's why I think the, mm-hmm. the ring argument is, to me, it doesn't tell the full story. It's not a, it's not a, a, a seal-proof, uh, a foolproof argument because – Sometimes, you know, players just get on the right team and get rings. I'm not saying those teams aren't good. The Bulls were obviously fantastic. They were one of the best teams of all time. Still arguably. I think, my- I think, I think they are the greatest team of all time yeah. because they, they had the best record ever, and they, they have a ring to, 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 to prove it. Yeah, that Golden State Warriors team was great, but guess what? They didn't win the championship that year. So that you can't, you can't say that there was an all-time great team like they were the all-time best team if they didn't win the championship. Michael Jordan's Bulls won that championship and got and and had the the NBA record for most wins in a single season. Well, that's certainly a debate we could have another day because that is uh another debate that I would love to argue out. Um and for listeners of the show, um this is going to be a pretty regular thing. Um we're probably going to have a lot of these conversations. Um, I know, uh, spoiler, we are going to have coming up, we're going to do like a top 50 uh, all-time NBA players, and I'm sure there will be a lot of debate mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah. if you like this type of format, if you like this this type of you know banter, um, keep tuning in. Um, we're going to keep putting this stuff out, um, and, and hopefully you know, we get some reactions and uh, some opinions out of you guys um, for you know what you think of our opinions and whether you think somebody has a better point than the other. And um, we'll kind of go from there, but hopefully this was a good taste in your mouth for what to expect uh, moving forward. Exactly. No, I'm very excited to see how, how our listeners, how they're going to react about everything, you know, cause I, I know I'm not right 100% of the time. And I know you don't, you don't feel like you're hundred percent out of the time. You know, I like having, having, uh, educated, educated debates with, with people, you know, it's just when people are just saying bullshit, just to say bullshit, that's, that's where, where, where things get a little fuzzy, but you know, it, this is, this is all going to be fun. You know, I, I feel like you and I are going to have these heated arguments where, you know, we're going to get really, really, really into the, into the debate, but you know, at the end of the day, that's all it is, is a, is, is a debate. And I hope that our listeners appreciate that you and I, are so passionate about, about what we're, what we're doing and what we're saying. I I couldn't agree more Merv. Um, and, and with that, I think, I think we have a good stopping point here. Um, yeah, although we do have song, uh, album of the week. So what are, what are we going with? That's a good question. Um, I have a couple candidates here. Um, I do think, um, give me just a second here. Cause I was pretty, pretty torn, um, between two, um, but I think this week, album of the week, I have to go with uh, Honcho Jack, Jack Honcho. Um, and uh, for listeners that may not not know, um, Merv and I are very big into hip-hop specifically. Um, and this is an album that we both spent a lot of time um, together listening to. Um, and this is constantly something that I go back and listen to. Um, it was like the first taste we really got of Travis Scott and Quavo together. Um, and I really thought it was a, it was a home run. It was a, it was a slam. 
Um, so Honcho Jack, Jack Honcho, you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Um, pretty good, pretty good album. Not super long. Um, it's definitely more upbeat. Um, so if you have, you know, if you want to go work out or you're doing something that requires some upbeat type of music, I would definitely put this in your arsenal. Um, you will not be disappointed. Mm. That, no, dude, I, you know, you know me, dude. We have listened to Honcho Jack, Jack Honcho on repeat numerous, numerous times. Whenever you would come over to the, to the apartment and we would just chill and, and hang out and smoke hookah in the apartment, we we listened to a lot of Huncho Jack Jack Honcho, and I still feel like that out al- that album is is undefeated. My album of the week, though, um, I feel like it's a little bit more under the radar, and I feel like a lot of people don't know who this guy is. But I, man, I listened to this album, and it's just so great. This uh this rapper, he every word that he says is a punchline, and it's so catchy. Um, it's going to be under underrated by a uh, partisan Fontaine. I know that I've been trying to get you to listen to that album forever. And I, I will still tell you to listen to that album. It is terrific, man. There it is probably my, my favorite album of the past, of the past six months. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll go back and give that a good listen. Cause I, I do know that you sent that over to me a couple of times. I did get a couple uh plays through, but, uh, not something that sticks out in my mind forefront right now, but um, I will give that a listen. Um, and for listeners, this is going to be a pretty regular thing. So if you're looking for new music, this this will be hopefully a good reference point. Um, we're going to kind of pull out some of our best, whether it's new or old, and what we like to listen to in our arsenal. So hopefully you keep coming back for that. All right, man. Well, I feel like with that, we're just going to leave you guys till next week and uh, have a good one. All right, Mary, I'll talk to you later. Peace.